Hello, everybody, to the final third of podcast. It's our news and prediction episode because it's Monday. It always is our news and prediction episode. This is the final third podcast, the number one variety soccer podcast on the Internet. My name is AJ Tabura, and I'm joined by Jack. Hello, I can see you in person and not over a Zoom screen. Yeah, great. we are in the final third studios, a.k.a. my basement, <laughs> which is where we're going to be for the rest of the summer. And I'm pretty excited to talk about the list of things we're going to be talking about. We are a soccer variety podcast, so we're going to talk about the fourth division in uh, USA and PSL, where we watch the game where Minneapolis City, our local team, unfortunately lost. Yeah, we're all going to talk about some European games as uh, not European games, some European transfers, some European games, I suppose, if you want to talk about international games, some Olympics, uh, some Gold Cup and some other things. And yeah, Jack. Which teams do you support and how are they doing in the transfer market right now? Uh, bad in the transfer <laughs> market. I'll start with that because I support Chelsea and Atalanta. Neither of them are doing great moves so far. There, there's a few inklings around the Atalanta transfer market, but not much from Chelsea, which Yikes. is worrying. Yeah. Uh, and of course, I support Minnesota United, the French national team and the U.S. men's national team. Yeah. I support West Ham, and just like Chelsea, we are on. <laughs> not doing so hot on the transfer market because uh, we have really no no true rumors even for transfers, so kind of nervous about that. I also support Minnesota United, and we're doing fine, so I guess that's some positive things. We're doing great, actually, if yeah. you count yesterday's or two days ago, the results yeah. when this releases. Yeah. yeah, Take that, Portland. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Just to switch, switch it up a little bit, get on a tangent. We are now like eight games undefeated against like Portland or something crazy like that. Yeah, or at yeah. We at least have eight wins against them since coming to MLS. They've only beaten us twice. So. Right. And one of those was our first game ever yeah. in MLS. So. We lost like 5-1. 5-1, yeah. But, you know, oh, we, we won where, where it matters. So Right, exactly. Yeah. I also support the U.S. national team. We'll get into that. But why don't we get started here on the episode, Jack? Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Final Third Show. And you'll be rewarded greatly, maybe even better than Austin FC after they got pummeled by the Seattle Sounders by a, a bunch of 15 year olds. Yeah. People yeah. who are younger than us somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And so follow us to, you know, hear about us harping on Austin FC and praising Seattle Sounders. All right. Let's get into the newsroom, Jack, because this is the news and predictions episode. We're going to talk about some hot news and gossip going around the soccer world. Some big stories, I would say. Let's start with uh, a return segment, the transfer hot or not, where I will ask Jack some of the transfer rumors going around the European soccer verse and ask him if the transfer is hot or if it's not, if it's good for the clubs and good for the player or if it's not so hot in general. So we're starting with Louis van Hall to the Dutch national team. So this is an actual uh, a manager movement. Louis van Hall's Orange Army has returned. The Dutchman has signed back onto the Dutch national team for apparently the next 18 months following De Boer's unceremonious end to his reign. This is going to be his third stint in the Netherlands, the first being in 2000 to 2002, where he failed to qualify for the World Cup. The second being 2012 to 2014, where he got them third place in the 2014 World Cup. So, Jack, is this hot or not? Uh, I'm going to say this is a mild heat, you know, okay. that, that's, what, so that's what simmering. I, yeah, all right. All right. Bit, because, you know, he, he did really well as the Dutch national team manager in his yeah, second yeah. stint, but he also hasn't coached a professional team since 2016. 
with true, Manchester true, United, true. which wasn't <laughs> fantastic, yes. well, to say the least. So it, it could be good because he, he has history with this team and he's achieved, I think, probably a second best finish in a World Cup because I believe they got a runner up medal at least once. I could mm-hmm. be wrong, but I think it was in the 70s. But sure, regardless, he he did pretty well and arguably was one of the most successful coaches for them. So I think I think it's a mild heat, you know, I, we'll, we'll go with that. All right. Is he going to do better or worse than Frank DeBoer? A better. It, it's it's hard <laughs> to do worse than Frank DeBoer, I think. Okay, okay. So, yeah. All right, cool. Well, I'm also going to say uh, I think I'll be a little hotter than you. I, I think the players do respect him. Obviously, he's kind of a legend right. for getting them to the third place. After a bad Euro showing and failing to qualify for the World Cup, I think that he is the type of manager you need to really rein things in. The next transfer is Lamella of uh, Tottenham Hotspur going to Sevilla and Brian Heel Gill of Sevilla going to Spurs in a swap rumor. According to Fabrizio Romano, Tottenham and Sevilla are rumored to be swapping Lamella plus 25 million euros for Brian uh, Gill or actually the other way around. Uh, t- uh, or is that do you remember how, which who is paying 25 million euros here? I'm actually not completely sure. I'm going to quick check on that. Uh, but do you want to give your assessment of it? First? Yeah, sure, sure. Lamella has been on again, off again, attacking midfielder for Tottenham. In my opinion, I don't think he's super good. He's really good at carrying balls forward, pressuring defenses and passing, but not great at really getting on the score sheet. Ryan Heal or Gill, whatever you want, is a 20 year old attacking midfielder who can carry the ball very well, can create chances and most importantly, can Cross the ball very, very well. And he's young. He's only 20 years old, as I said. And it's Spurs who are giving the 25 million to Sevilla. So that okay. that's the way that's going. So All right, sweet. Well, Jack, is this a hot or non-transfer? I, I think it's actually one of those rare cases where it's really good for both sides. All right. Uh, because, you know, Tottenham get a young playmaker to replace kind of, you know, all of the other playmakers that they've had and sold away. Deli Alley, who is still there, but not producing as much as he used to Christian Eriksen again at Inter Milan. So I think it's really good for Spurs and then Sevilla, their central midfield, central attacking midfield options are really decreasing or they're aging up. Ivan Rakitic, you know, mm-hmm, yeah, he's probably close to the last legs, I think uh, at, at this point. So it's, it's a good future term thing. Of course, Lamella is 29, but he, he's not terrible. I think he's not premier league quality. Really? He, he's not, up for the physicality of that league. All right. I also said pretty hot for pretty much exactly the same things as you said. The third transfer I have here is Ruben Neves to Manchester United. It's a very, very weak rumor, to be fair. I would not put too much stock in it, but hypothetically, if this were to happen, Wolves are reportedly willing to part with the Portuguese midfielder for just 35 million pounds. So we got that going for this transfer. He's been a key player for Wolves getting 17 gold contributions in the past three seasons as a midfielder and being among the best in Europe in terms of defensive ability and progressive movements. So Jack Ruben Neves to Manchester United from Wolves, hot or not? I'm going to say not really. Ooh. And the reason why for, is for which team for both Ooh. for Wolves, it's because he, he's valued at like 55 million. Mm-hmm. So 35 million you're going to you're going to let him go for. That's. That's really undervaluing him, really underselling him. You could get a lot more. Plus, he's only 24. He's a young, younger talent, I guess, mm-hmm. who can 
produce a lot for wolves and they kind of need that because they don't have a lot of really creative forwards i guess or uh, in in the team they have a few but they kind of need them and united i've said this a lot of times they need someone who's going to, who's willing to stay back and defend a lot more ruben neves yes he's often employed in a six slash eight role but he bombs forward a lot mm-hmm. and they already have mctominay and fred who already do that and and like pogba they have plenty of players who play in that same position so i i, I don't think it's the right move I am right there with you. I'm glad this is not a great transfer rumor and very weak because I, I, I'm right there with you. The main thing that I saw with him going to Manchester United, how that would work out in a very possession based system. I think his progressive carries really work. And I think that his progression with his passing, whatever, it works well, but he's just not Manchester United caliber. And it really only makes sense if Pogba's out, like he's he's moving somewhere and he's like, their main guy even then i just don't think that's a a great move uh this next one is something that you put on here so why don't you take the reins on this one yeah so uh this one involves one of my teams atalanta their goalkeeper pierre luigi golini is going to tottenham on a loan for now but there is an option to buy which becomes an obligation to buy if he plays 20 games or more so uh you know here's my thoughts on it I think this is terrible for Atalanta because <laughs> I, I don't know what what they're doing down there, but I don't know who thought it was a good idea to have Marco Sportiello for a whole season to be the number one, but I don't think that's the right move. He's getting old. He made a lot of mistakes last season. Yes, Golini made some as well, but he also saved Atalanta a lot. So I think that you know, it, this is a bit of an odd move, but for Tottenham, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Lloris getting up there in age. He's not he, he's made a lot more mistakes recently than usual. And Lloris makes a lot of mistakes, to be fair, but it, it seems to have doubled for some reason. And this is a younger keeper. He has Premier League experience. He mm-hmm. played for Aston Villa and he has Champions League experience, European experience. You know, he, he's a good player. So I think this is really good for them. Tottenham are looking almost scary good uh, at this point. It's. It's kind of scary, uh, but don't even don't but, even get me started. No, on that. but don't worry. We, we know they're going to bottle it, so it's fine. I, I really hope so. I'm going to say not for both sides just because I don't okay, want Tottenham okay. to do well. And I think it's <laughs> funny that Atalanta team you support are losing a key player for them. Yeah, I don't I, if if they sell off Christian Romero to Tottenham as well, I'm going to cry. <laughs> uh, then you have to be a Spurs fan. No, Ooh, no is that not happening? No, no, not a chance. What would it take for you to become a Spurs fan? Um, is there anything that could happen? For Harry Kane to leave, which is pretty likely, and also for them to not be Spurs. All right, okay. All right. <laughs> so so, so <laughs> even if Giroud comes to Spurs, hey, he moved to AC Milan, and I still hate AC Milan. So okay. th- th- right. that—that's your answer. Hey, I- even Giroud is not enough. <laughs> I respect it. I respect it. And so this, uh, so that is for it for the transfer hot or not section. We are probably going to talk more more transfers next week, so I'll probably come back. Uh, we're going to talk about the impressive slash unimpressive teams of the Olympics and the gold cup. Next, we are recording this on Sunday before the U S play Jamaica. So we don't know what happens there. And this is if, if the USA lose this game, this is where I'm going to cut in with the U S men's national team corner early. And if they won, it's going to be where it usually is. So 
All right, hopefully I didn't have to cut in there. <laughs> Jack, let's get started with the uh, women's side of the Olympics. How about that? All right, all right. Who were the impressive teams in your mind uh, at the Olympics? Well, there's been quite a few impressive teams, but, you know, I, I think one of them that has been, and I think you'll agree with me on this, Zambia, yes. has been impressive despite... <laughs> they they have scored seven goals but they've also that's pretty good that that's fantastic that's on, great it's usually great but they've also let in 14 that's uh, bad yeah that's not uh, great. including 10 against the netherlands and four against china but the reason why i'm saying they're impressive is because they have one player who is just lighting it up barbara banda great name yeah fantastic 21 years old wow young talent who scored two hat tricks it, the first pl women's player, or maybe even just player in general, to ever do that in the Summer Olympics for for soccer, it, which is absolutely fantastic. Yes, they are bottom of the group, but it's not by much, to be fair. Yeah, they're, they're only down by two on the goal differential. So if China gets battered and they and uh, you know they maybe pull off a, a draw or win against Brazil, unlikely they could still qualify, but. Yeah, I, I think that's just you have to mention that because mm -hmm. it's history making, really. And, you know, I, I, I just I, AJ and I agreed we had to mention Zambia at yeah, least yeah. for that reason alone. Mm -hmm. I'm going to mention the two that I think are impressive just on the fact that they are, I think, the best team so far. Number one is Great Britain. They got three goals for a zero against Ellen White has scored all three of those goals, and they've looked very, very astute and impressive. It's going to really be tested against their game against Canada. Said against twice there, whatever. Uh, that's going to be a tough match because they are pretty evenly matched, in my opinion. So whoever comes on top will probably be the impressive team outside of that group. Uh, with Sweden, which I think is the best team of this tournament so far on the women's side, seven goals for, two goals against, at no point in their games against uh, Australia or usa did it ever look like they were not in control they are just a, a complete team jacobson is a great player and i think that they're going to make make waves in the knockout rounds maybe even reach a medal maybe even reach the final who knows who knows hopefully not at the <laughs> usa's expense uh unimpressive teams i'll just say this real quick there haven't been any that are really stand out unimpressive for the women's team, except maybe the U.S. women's national team, just based on expectations and how much they deviated away from that. But I'll talk about that later in the U.S. women's national team corner. Uh, moving on to the men's side, Jack. Uh, impressive teams. Any anyone that stands out to you? Uh, right off the bat, Japan. Uh, they're I think yeah, they're the only team to have all six points. Yes, that is true. Which fair they're on home soil mm -hmm. but there's no fans or spectators as well so it kind of balances out but they've pulled off some good wins 1-0 over south africa and then uh 2-1 over mexico and mexico are do looking pretty good at this yes. tournament so i'd say that's a really good result uh takafusa kubo who plays for real madrid mm -hmm. has been fantastic this tournament he scored two out of their three goals and they, they look solid enough defensively. Sure, they let in a late goal against Mexico, but overall, this is an impressive team that could, you know, shock everyone, I think. Yeah. That, I think, you know, AJ and I kind of passed him over as a dark horse candidate in, mm -hmm. uh, in our preview because we were like, oh, there's no way they're getting out of the group. And now I, I think it's, 
I, I think it's close to impossible for them to, to, to get not. Yeah. yeah. So they, a lot would have to go wrong for that to happen. So mm-hmm. I think that, you know, they, they've been very impressive. All right. I, Japan, I'm really hoping for them to do well, even at the expense of France, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, they are on top of Group A. Real quick, I have to talk about Group B because Jack and I were talking about this. They're all at three points. South Korea, Honduras, New Zealand, Romania. I, it's hard to really tell who's impressive slash non-impressive. So I guess we'll really see in the, the third game. Uh, but the, the team that I really gravitated towards was the Ivory Coast, which I distinctly remember being like, I really hope Ivory Coast can like make it out of the group. That would be insane. And now they're doing it. They, they are really one point ahead of Germany, which is pretty impressive. They are second place. First place is uh, Brazil in Group D. But they were able to keep Brazil, who battered Germany 4-2, to two, goalless. It was a 0-0 draw. That's really impressive. They were going into Germany. And honestly, seeing how Brazil took care of Germany, I can really see them even winning that game. So I just jinxed myself and they're going to get battered. <laughs> but I'm very impressed by them. Out of Group C, I mean... Spain and Australia are on top uh, of the group right now. Argentina is on level points with Australia. So nothing too out of the ordinary there. Jack, unimpressive teams in the men's team, in men's uh, tournaments at the Olympics. I'm sure there's one that really stands out to you. Who is it? Yeah, there's only been one. And it's because I hyped him up so much. That's my own fault, really. Bias, one might yeah, say. Yeah, bias. Uh, France. Uh-huh, France were yeah. very disappointing. Um they, they've scored eight goals. Good. Or no, they haven't. They've scored oh. five. Never mind. I messed oh, it up. Okay. Amount of goals. Okay. And they've uh, conceded seven. That's bad. Yeah, that's real bad. <laughs> uh, they conceded four against Mexico. Four. Very uh, bad, one might yeah, say. Yeah, uh, that was terrible by them, honestly. And then they had a thriller against South Africa that they won. <laughs> and, Not um, great. Yeah, and honestly, they could have lost that game because South Africa missed a penalty, too. They they could have they, they very much could have lost this. Didn't game. it take a stoppage time winner for it them did. to get? It took a stoppage time winner for them to win this game. Uh, so yeah, that that's not fantastic. But all all I have to say though is France have been disappointing, but that does not include Andre Pierre Gignac. That's that's all the right, only good, exception good. really because he has scored all but one of their goals and he assisted that last one as well. Mm-hmm. So he has. Four goals. He is the outright leader for goals scored in this tournament. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, just any criticism, it just doesn't include him. That's that's all I have all to right. say. That's all right. Cool. He, he's been good. He's done his job. He's scored goals. Nice. It's just that the rest of his team is not <laughs> helping him enough. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the story of this entire Olympics and something that's really been hurting France terribly is the fact that clubs aren't required to release their players absolutely they they could have fielded an incredible team that would have mm-hmm. that could have like competed in the euros really yeah and instead all of their clubs are like actually nah we're just gonna keep them yeah and, and that's been affecting uh teams like germany spain to you know a, a little bit of an extent and so, some other uh teams as well and it kind of hurts the olympics as being like a very prestigious tournament but I, I, that's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes. Really, I think France is the only unimpressive team, given their yeah. expectations. Let's move on to the Gold Cup. We're not actually going to be able to predict any Gold Cup games because we're recording this before the quarterfinals finish. 
and the semifinals and finals are happening within the next week. So sucks for us, but impressive teams. I'll start off this one. Mexico, obviously, they have a very good team. Tata Martino brought an A team. They have not been scored against yet, and they just beat Honduras 3-0 to in the quarterfinal. This is a scary team. As a U.S. men's national team fan, I am scared, scared, scared. Uh, but that's expected when it's Mexico, so I whatever. Uh, the second one I'm going to mention is Costa Rica and Jamaica, who were both very good in Group C. And their game against each other really came down to the wire. It was only a 1-0 win for Costa Rica. You know, they are very good teams from uh from the central caribbean or central america and the caribbean respectively and i think that they are going to do pretty well in not just this tournament but world cup qualifying in general jack is there another impressive team and i think we've talked about this one we were we were debating on whether or not it's up to bring up qatar i i think you can okay and even though their group wasn't the most difficult They've played solid defensively, apart from the game against Panama, the first one where yeah, they drew three yeah. three. But you know they they had a they had a decent enough game. They hurt you on transition, so uh, they they can do damage. Mm -hmm. They were very close to getting knocked out by Honduras or El Salvador. My mistake. Uh, but they 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 saw it through. So they've been impressive based off of what I thought about them. But. One more team that I want to talk oh, about. Oh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. That's impressive. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> AJ knows what's coming, and it's going to make some people mad. About 50% of people are going to be mad. 50% won't. The USA. Yes. I think, I think they've been impressive. Wow. And Boo. I, I know. It, but the reason why is, you know, their roster is not the same as these other teams. Mm -hmm. Canada brought, you know, mostly their A squad. Of course, there were injuries that hit them. Mexico brought their A team. Uh, most of these other teams brought A teams, but the U.S. got every job done. They beat Haiti. Sure, it was conservative, but they beat them. They really battered Martinique. Yeah, poor Martinique. Yeah, and and uh, then they 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 beat Canada. They did the job against mm -hmm. one of the better looking teams in the tournament. And so for all of that, yes, you can say, oh, they didn't score enough. They should have scored more. But what they got the job done, and they yeah. and given that this was an MLS roster. A lot of people were like, I don't know if they'll even top the group. There were some people who were like, I'm not sure if we can beat Canada, but they did. Yeah. So I think impressive enough. Okay. And they only conceded one goal. It, and it was a penalty. Right. So. so, you know, that's not too bad. They've conceded a single goal in the entire mm -hmm. uh, in the entire tournament. Their second mo they have the second most goals scored a lot uh, just behind Qatar by one. So, yeah. I'm calling I'm calling them impressive. Wow. Qatar is the top goal scoring team so far. Yeah, they have nine. Uh, oh. Panama, Canada and the US all have eight. Wow, man. <laughs> yeah, Qatar, yeah, Qatar is going to be in the top four in this tournament because they're in the semifinals. Yeah. And yeah, Jack is a US men's national team fan. He's been fully converted. Yay. Except I'm supporting them more than half of the other fans. Yeah, literally. Uh, unimpressive teams. I said USA, and I've talked about that before. I'm sure I'll talk about that if they lose against Jamaica tonight. I'm really oh yeah. If they, I, I I do have to say if they lose against Jamaica, <laughs> then, yeah, they're not as impressive as I thought. Uh, unimpressive teams. Suriname. I thought they'd just be better. That's it. I don't think there's any other really unimpressive teams. Jack, do you have any one to add? Uh, no, not really. I mean, okay. they they've they've all pretty much performed to expectations. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go on to uh, Thomas Tuchel winning German Manager of the Year. Jack added this one, and you know, good for Thomas Tuchel. Jack, 
Chelsea propaganda, go ahead. Yeah, of course. I love an opportunity to give some Chelsea propaganda. <laughs> the best coach in the world. Yes. Won the German manager of the year, soon to win FIFA or UEFA manager of the year, I'm sure, because he's the best. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he went on, you, like, people are like, oh, he just got carried by a purple patch. But he won the Champions League after coming in halfway through the season. Exactly, so, yeah. You know, if you win the Champions League, you're, you're doing a pretty good job. He got them to an FA Cup final. Mm-hmm. Didn't win the FA Cup final, but it's <laughs> fine. Uh, and, you know, he I think he only lost I, I think he only lost twice to Aston Villa and to West Brom, which are weird losses. Sure. But in the league. Yeah, in the league. Okay. Those are the only and then he lost once uh, against Leicester, of course, in the FA Cup and then against Porto to a late uh, last minute, like bicycle kick mm-hmm. and but still got past him. So, yeah, he, he deserves this. He is a good coach and I think he deserves bit more credit than just saying oh he's carried by a purple patch forward into this because his tactics changed chelsea if if he if he wasn't there i guarantee this chelsea side would not be looking at europe Mm -hmm. they wouldn't be even close to the champions league final under frank lampard not even close they would have gotten eliminated they probably would have gotten (laughs) eliminated by atletico okay they they probably would have so yeah i i think he deserves it all right. I respect it, Jack. I also think he deserves it. And if I'm being honest, I think depending on how the rest of the season goes, he could get manager of the year for 2021. I think so. It all depends on how the league goes, because I think you guys will win the UEFA Super Cup. It, it, yeah, Jack's crossing his fingers. So it really depends on where your league standings are come November. Uh, this last story in the newsroom is well it's actually a little bit part of jack's lower league lowdown because this is actually about the lower leagues in the united states and that is the united soccer league the uh, the division two and division three here in the usa is voting to introduce promotion relegation and potentially a european calendar uh that's completely insane i do have to mention that promotion and relegation we'll talk about that first uh, it's between just the two professional leagues, USL Championship, USL League One, that is the second and third divisions here in the USA. And it's still up for debate. Everything that we're about to talk about is still up for debate. They're going to meet in, I believe, November, all the USL clubs to vote on whether they want, whether or not they want to implement these changes. So the first is promotion relegation. We're going to both give our opinions on that. Uh, from what I understand with how USL views this, there's a couple of reasons why they want to do this. It's to one, make themselves more relevant on a global market, really differentiate themselves from MLS, which is a closed system, no pro rel. Financially, it could make sense for clubs. That level of drama and uniqueness will drive ticket sales and increase investment from fans, maybe even increase TV deals, which is, just, is such a big deal in today's TV markets. And overall, a lot of USL clubs and fans just want it. There's just like support for it in general. However, it does make investing in the USL championship hard when you can lose all that money if you get relegated to USL League One. Jack, how do you view this? Is, is this good in your opinion, what they're doing? I mean, it, 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 it's interesting. That, that's what I'll start with before I get an actual opinion. Because, you know, like you said, people aren't going to want to inge- invest in the USL championship because that's like a... I can't remember what I read. I think it's like uh, 400 or 600,000 between that to it's, start a club. It's, it's a lot of money. It's a lot more than USL League One. I know mm-hmm. that. So 
what what what's to say that investors don't start a USL League One team? And then try and then well, is there anything wrong with that? Well, but then but then you're you're talking about an inflation of one of the leagues and then it, it causes guess, it causes yeah. a bit of a disparity because then you have USL League One, which like, you know, a smaller percentage of teams get promoted up from mm-hmm. it and a, a larger percentage get relegated down from USL championships. So mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if it, like about that, because I, I work. I worry about that because I don't want them to overinflate one of the leagues, really. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's going to be so much of an issue. It really all depends on how they implement it, right? right. And I don't think this is really coming until years and years from now, maybe 2023, the earliest 2026, more realistic, because they have to figure out how they're going to divide the teams because USL championships already 30, 40 plus teams. Right, exactly. USL League One is still growing. Or is there going to be like a really long, like, process on how to divide those teams so in my opinion i think of the the things that they're going to potentially change pro realm makes the most sense because we're dealing with lower leagues and the i i'm just gonna go out on a limb and say that the the levels of investment between usl championship and usl league one is a lot smaller than say the usl championship to mls right so the actual value and money that owners are going to lose if they get relegated isn't going to hit as hard and they could probably get promoted right back up then consider usl championship to mls right and same thing with the count the counter usl league one to usl championship they have a higher chance of surviving yeah if if this included mls in it i'd say absolutely not yeah Uh, because then you're talking about like the those mls clubs once they go down they're not coming back up yeah they're they're just some people want that some pro rel uh activists want like a fully free market system and you're the economist here you are well i won't say economist. you are yeah you study i'm an economics. environmental economic okay maybe, well maybe, maybe. so that, that's that's it i'm not this isn't exactly my area of expertise but uh yeah i mean i don't think that that's how it should work because you have these clubs that have worked to cultivate a brand and like you know have spent a lot of money I mean, but you have that too with minneapolis city for example who we're going to talk about they have worked hard do they not deserve to go up this is an entirely other discussion but yeah i mean i i, I just i just don't know like fc cincinnati if if they go down they're not only gone forever but then mls loses a lot of the players that they get and they can't use them to market anymore because yeah. all these usl championship clubs they're not going to be able to afford brenner or luciano yeah. acosta so and, then and that yeah that destroys them there has to be like an increase in popularity and value on the lower leagues level. Right, exactly. So if if this works and is successful and boosts them up, I was going to bring that then up. Yeah, maybe it can work out. Yeah. But this is no, a, this yeah, is a good now, testing ground. Right? right, it is. And if this works and come twenty thirty, it, it's like you know thriving. MLS is like all right, all expansion teams that want to join us join the USL Championship, and then we're gonna bridge the gap and. Pro- that's the dream, but okay. that, that's another uh, discussion. European calendar. So USL is thinking about going from, instead of spring to fall, a fall to spring, so they play through the winter in, in their new like calendar system. They want to line up with transfers to Europe. So instead of having to lose their players halfway through the season to Europe, uh, because that's when their season starts, they want to line that up. And there's also the argument of getting, I guess, more eyes on them instead of MLS because MLS is still spring to fall. 
Jack, <laughs> we talked about this a little bit. I think it's stupid. Do you think it's stupid? No. You, you think it's good? I think it could be good. There's, there's, I can see both sides oh, to it. Man. Okay. The reason why is because it, I'm going to take the free market stance now oh instead. Oh my gosh. And say, you know what? They're trying to create a differentiated product to MLS. Yes. And, you know, if you want to build soccer in the U.S., then have it when the rest of the world plays soccer, you know? All right. And so you have another product now that can drive ticket sales. Mm -hmm. And so people who are like MLS fans who are like, ah, I can't go to the stadium now for like six months or it's not that long, but it's four months. Yeah. yeah, I can't go to the stadium for X amount of time, but there's this other club that's nearby me that costs significantly less for entry. And I can just go there and be like, Hey, this is this is live soccer. And mm-hmm. then you bring in more ticket sales and then you make them a competitive product with MLS. And then you can talk about pro rel. Mm-hmm. So I think that it, it's a really good step, actually, because it, it, it could work out in the long run because you're trying to make it competitive. And also, if they are competitive in the European transfer market with this, that boosts U.S. soccer even more yes. abroad. And. It gives MLS an incentive to change what they're doing as well and to adapt to compete with them, because if all of a sudden, like all of these other European clubs are like, oh, we can go to these USL teams. They're 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 going to have cheaper players who are still getting experience, but line up with our calendar so we don't have to, like, recuperate them after Mm -hmm. a season. That's that's easy money for for them. They're like, oh, perfect opportunity. (laughs) I, I think that it could be really good to switch to this calendar. Good points. Very good points. Uh, obviously, that makes great sense. Like theoretically, on paper, that's on paper is how I describe how a lot of economic theories work. Yep. Right. Here's mm-hmm. the one sentence I need to say to completely destroy everything you're saying. Winter in Minnesota. I was going to say that's <laughs> what I was going to say. I knew it. I was about to say snow when you said it, because, yeah, yeah you're, you're not wrong. That's that that is an issue. But there's so much more that I could say, but go ahead. But, you know, they, they, they there's there's other uh, places in Europe that they deal with this kind of stuff as well. Yeah, but, but but Sweden, right? Sweden right. is spring to fall. You're right. Norway, I think, is the same thing. Norway is Denmark is. But England, you know, they, they Eng- still get snow. England is nothing compared to Minnesota. Fair enough. But if if if, if I brought Boris Johnson here, he would die <laughs> from cold, from cold. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. Uh, <laughs> hypothermia yes exactly thank you yeah russia i think though runs but they have they have a five month long winter break so what's the point right fair enough yeah i mean and, you're, you're right weather and, we can't change the weather you can't change the weather and like some you, you could have a dome or something but clubs like ford madison can't yeah. afford that in wisconsin most usl clubs exactly can't afford it and you also lose summer nights and i the report that we read on the athletics said that most of their ticket sales come from the summer nights because when you think about it, who are they competing against? If a, if a USL is playing in the summer and it's like a Birmingham Legion in Alabama in the summer, in August, uh, July, they're going against baseball, any minor league baseball team or major league. If it's a bigger city, they're going against that fall to spring. And this is the big thing that hurts MLS going to this other than weather you have NFL, NBA, mm. NHL, college hockey football basketball as well that's such an uphill battle and hey some of these teams share uh stadiums with you know uh, football teams 
you have USL teams sharing stadiums with baseball teams, but that's a lot easier to work around than college football stadiums. It it's it's a lot to really overcome. And I'm sorry, but I'm not going to a game in even <laughs> honestly March. Like I really? went I went to the snow opener with Minnesota United. It was the worst, like in terms of comfort level, the worst experience of my life. I was oh. too cold. I wouldn't and I think a lot of fans are like that too. So fair enough. Yeah. I mean, you can't change the weather. And exactly. Yeah. It, it, you're, it does work well on paper, yes. but that's about it. Then, then you toss the paper out the window into the <laughs> snow and it's gone. Yes, exactly. Uh, the third change that they want to bring is a league's cup between the championship and league one. I think that's cool. That's yeah. it. I, I, yeah. It's just a cool. We, we love cup competition. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that's about it. That, that's it. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Okay. <laughs> Let's go on. That's it for the newsroom. I, I think that was great. A good discussion. Let's move on to something I think is very interesting because we were just at the game. Uh, Jack and I were just wearing our NPSL jerseys for Minneapolis City SC. Uh, they played in the Midwest final against Cleveland SC, is I believe the team name. Yep. Yep. Cleveland. The SC. Rooks. Is that their nickname? I think so. Something dumb like that. I hate Cleveland. <laughs> uh, no, but w- we just watched that game at Edder Nelson Field up in Augsburg University in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And we just want to talk about the game and how NPSL is uh, going about because we've kind of adopted NPSL as our lower league team, our lower league of choice. So, Jack, did Minneapolis City win or lose? Yeah, they lost. Unfortunately, we I'll just go over the game real quick. We we didn't take our chances in the game. We we tried our best, but, you know, we hit the crossbar three times in the first half, the first half. And we had a goal in the first 50 seconds of the second half disallowed, disallowed for a foul at the corner flag. And I think that's ridiculous. Just get up. You know, that's about it. Uh, but yeah, Cleveland had uh, Minneapolis City made two defensive errors uh, and Cleveland cla- capitalized on both of them. That's mm-hmm. that's about it. Like we didn't capitalize on those mistakes the same way they did the first half. So many turnovers. So many. We had, like I said, hit the crossbar three times, had some close calls. Otherwise had it produced a few good saves. But yeah, they, they just capitalized on, on the on the mistakes better than we did. And that's how it happens in one off games. And yeah. so they won two to zero. They are going to the national semifinals. Mm-hmm. And, and who are they playing there? They will be playing, I believe, the Eastern Conference winners uh, or Eastern uh, region winners. Sorry, that's mm-hmm. how it works. And that's going to be uh, either FC Motown, which I believe is based in Detroit. I need to check up on that just to make sure Motown 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 is is from is that's where Motown music started Detroit so that's my guess but I could be I very wrong uh, but the other team that they could play is very well known to people who follow the Open Cup which is Baltimore Christos yes so pe- people know who they are if, if you if you know the Open Cup FC Motown I can't believe you didn't know this it's from Morristown New Jersey the, the music capital of the world baby it is actually I don't know I, I don't want to Hey, if you're from Morristown, New Jersey, I don't want to bag on you. You are not the first uh, city I think about when I think about Motown. Motown. Yeah, Motown. Yeah. I think of Detroit immediately. That's where that's where I think of. But whatever. You know what? It's fine. It's fine. It's yeah. just fine. Uh, but yeah, Baltimore Christos versus FC Motown. By the time we're done recording this, that'll be done. We have no idea what what's mm-hmm. going on there right now. Actually, uh, I, I should. Uh, did you want to check the score for that? Because it's yeah, going on right now. Uh, but so whoever wins that one, they will play the Midwest region winner 
And then there's, of course, there's two more because they're going to the semifinals. The Western region, that's already been settled yesterday. That was the Denton Diablos FC, which was the first seed in the Western region, beating FC Golden State, which was number two seed, four to two. So Denton Diablos, they've only been in NPSL for two years, and they're headed to the national semifinals, which is pretty impressive by them. So that's that's what we know about that. And finally, we have the Southern Region, and they that's going to they are going to play. Um, it, it looks like it just finished. Actually, I have some, I have some okay. score updates. Tulsa has won. The Tulsa Southern, has won. Okay, in the one hundred nineteenth minute. Wow, goal. Okay, uh, got them through. It looks like two to one. They won that game in okay. the one hundred nineteenth minute. That's crazy. So, yeah, and I also have updates on the Christos, Baltimore Crystals and Motown okay. game. It's 3-3. Three three. Wow, okay. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Oh, it's it, it looks like, I'm going to check the, the Twitter page for this. <laughs> okay. Uh, what? Th- yeah, 3-3, three to three, they're going to extra time, so. Wow, okay. Uh, and also, I, I hate to say this, but I did mess up because the Southern Conference is playing the Midwest Conference. Okay, okay. And the Eastern Conference is playing the Western Conference. So, uh, because I, I just remembered because Denton Diablo was posted on their Twitter, make sure to cheer for FC Motown because if they win, we host. Okay. So that, that's how, that's how that works. I got that wrong. My bad. I'm just upset about Minneapolis losing, <laughs> yeah. but regardless, the national semifinals, whoever is the highest seed, which is based off of points per game ends up hosting. Yes. So Tulsa, I'm not sure what their points per game is, but I think Christos, if they end up winning is, or sorry. Cleveland, I believe, is below Tulsa. Yeah, I, I believe so. It, it, it Regardless, matter. yeah, there, there's going, there's going to be a game between Cleveland and Tulsa. It sounds like, mm-hmm. and then between Denton Diablos and either uh, Christos FC or um, FC, Motown. FC Motown, which is of course in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there you go. That's uh, what's happening there. The national semifinals are July 31st. And then uh, the national championship is August 7th. It would have been cool if Minneapolis City had won because they would have been hosting both of those games then if they had won both of the games. Unfortunately, like I said, sometimes it comes close. And yes. You end up on the losing side. And you know what? Regardless, I just want to take a second to talk about Minneapolis City. They, they, they have nothing to be ashamed of, really, mm-hmm. because they did fantastic this season. This is only their second loss. Of the entire season. Yeah. It just sucks that it had to come in uh, in an important game, but sometimes that's how it works. And the, the players played well. A special shout out to Lionel Vang, who was fantastic mm-hmm. today. He, he, his dribbling ability, if, if you're interested in looking and learning about NPSL, just look up Lionel Vang. Yeah. Because his dribbling is absolutely incredible. There were, there were times where he had three or four Cleveland players around him and dribbled out of it with ease. Mm-hmm. Like a really fantastic player. So uh, the, I, I just wanted to give a special shout out to him and the coach who uh, follows us on Twitter because he's awesome. Matt Van Ben Shoden. I probably mispronounced that. <laughs> I'm sorry, but he he's he's been uh, an awesome coach for them. And uh, yeah, he it's just been a really fantastic yes. season to watch them. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad we got to see a couple of games in person. But yeah. Very proud of them. Yeah. Crows to the moon. They will be back. Everyone go watch the MPSL. Uh, there are streams everywhere on YouTube or some other websites. Yeah, just just look up either of the teams that are playing and I'm sure they have a stream. Mm-hmm. I have to mention the other 
fourth division league, USL League Two, which is in their semifinals. They are playing, I think, as we speak, so we won't know who's going to be in the finals. But on one side of the bracket, it's North Carolina Fusion, the U23 team. Uh, I don't know where their senior team is. I've never heard of that team. Uh, versus the Western Massachusetts Pioneers. That's going on in Statesboro, Georgia. And yeah, I think it's going to be a fun game. But I'm more interested in the other side of the bracket, which is the Des Moines Menace, a local team, okay. if you want to talk about Minnesota, Iowa, versus the Portland Timbers U23 team. Wow, okay. So uh, you know, a lot in the line in terms of honor, in terms of some U23 teams from MLS, even in this uh, league. So everyone go watch that. I do have to say Des Moines Menace play in Valley Stadium, the stadium of West Des Moines Valley. Oh, we know, we know that. Jack and I know very well from speech and debate. Uh, I'm not going to say anything bad about them, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a uh, we've both been there. So we've competed against them a few yes, times. Yeah. And that's all we'll say. Uh, go Des Moines Menace. Go Portland Timbers. U23. Uh, the, the semifinals we should mention for NPSL happening next week uh july 31st the finals for usl league 2 july 31st that's gonna be the, the final yeah and the final for mpsl i believe august 7th uh which is a saturday i believe that's when the final game is gonna be played higher seed hosts for that all right let's move on to the next segment which is if usa wins us men's national team corner this is where I'm going to cut into All that right, talk. let's talk about the U.S. men's national team taking on Jamaica. I just finished it. Since you're listening to this now, obviously Jamaica lost the U.S. men's national team. It was a one-nail win over them. Uh, so I decided to talk a little bit about uh, the lineup, what we saw from the game, and some major takeaways so far throughout the tournament. Uh, I'll start out with the lineup. We came out with a, a 4-3-3 with Matt Turner. Sam Vines, James Sands, Miles Robinson, and Shaq Moore making up the back line and the goalkeeper. Pretty stock. We come back to that 4-3-3. So instead of trying to cram in Harry, uh, Henry Kessler or something in to a back three, we decided to go back to the back four. In the middle, we had uh, Kellen Acosta, Gianluca Busio, and Sebastian Legette make up the midfield and our forwards, wingers, whatever you want to call them. Daryl DK is the striker, Matthew Hoppy and Paul Ariola as the winger-esque players. And overall in the first half, well, I guess I should talk about the lineup. It was fine. It was good. I, uh, f- from what we've seen in the previous games, I thought it was fine. And most people agreed, whatever. Uh, the first half, we saw some decent chances, but moving forward, Acosta, Legette, nor Ariola were particularly good at creating solid chances. Hoppy was more up for it and was trying things, including a wonderfully placed pass to the feet of Shaq Moore. That was one of our best shots in uh, the first half. Well, not just shots, uh, chances, I should say. Defensively, Turner was put to work and came up huge. He had to make a couple of saves. We haven't really had to see him fully stretch out to make a save, but we saw that, and that's exactly what you get from him. It really highlighted his shot-stopping ability. And those shots came from some pretty bad turnovers from the midfield. Overall, the midfield, I think, was the weak point of the team, neither creating chances nor uh, really facilitating progression and possession within the midfield, so they weren't able to really stake their claim over the Jamaican midfield. The defense in general, particularly Robinson and Sands, were pretty great. I think that they really 
cover themselves in glory and pen themselves in for that center back depth. Acosta is a very curious case. Uh, he's played pretty well this entire game on the defensive side of uh, the court. Uh, according to the stats, he had an 84% passing rate, which is okay. But where he really shined was 8 out of 13 duels won, 2 out of 2 dribbles, 3 out of 3 tackles won, 2 out of 2 aerials won, 3 interceptions. Like He defensively was a brick wall, which is exactly what you want from him because he is really a destroyer on this team, and that has worked out great. However, like like I said, like progressing the ball, he kind of lacks the skill to do that in any meaningful way. Oftentimes, misplacing the ball, and there were times where he would be pressured by the Jamaican midfield, and he would just kind of turn the ball over. Not exactly a great look, so that's something to look out for him. Busio wasn't really great going forward either, but in the second half, Greg instructed him to hang back and play a little bit deeper, which led to both him and Legette taking control of the midfield and increased our possession in the second half. I think, you know, he hasn't really played great defensively in other games, but he really shined here. And I think that playing in the midfield with him and Legette and Acosta made that midfield a little bit more press resistant and they really complement each other very well. And I'm really excited to see what Busio can do in the next couple of games. Matthew Hoppy. Uh, came up huge by scoring a header goal to put the USA up 1-0. Roldan gave the assist on an amazing cross, which highlights how great the substitutions that Greg Berhalter made. I'll talk about a little bit of that later. But Berhalter changed the game by taking DK and Areola off midway through the second half after both didn't play great. So Zardes and Roldan came in and changed the game for the better. The attack seemed a bit more cohesive. Chances seemed like they were more likely to be something, lead to something. These two in-game changes, both moving Busio back and making those subs, were very good. And we don't really say that about Berhalter, if I'm being honest. But he did them, and that's really impressive. That's character development right there, in my honest opinion. So the main takeaways I really have gotten throughout the first, was this, four games of the tournament is our defense is solid. And when I'm talking about the main takeaways, I should say we are looking at the Gold Cup for depth at the World Cup qualifiers and some progression with our tactics, right? So I'm going to look at some of the things I've seen with depth going forward and which players have really staked their claim. Uh, Okay, so going back to it, our defense is solid. I think we should be really proud and happy for our backups for the World Cup qualifiers in the back line. Robinson and Zimmerman are so, so good. They're very solid center backs. I love Zimmerman's ball distribution and his really seniority. He has a a really good leadership presence in that back line. He's like, what, 28? Very, very good. And Robinson's clearances. Robinson had such a good game. I think he got a little bit of a knock late in the game, but 83% pass rate. But most importantly, 11 out of 13 duels won, which is the highest in the game. Uh, seven out of nine aerials won, one interception, five clearances. Like, he is a clearance machine. I love Robinson. He, for my money, was the man at the match. Uh, James Sands' stock, of course, has skyrocketed. He usually played in the back three for us, but this past game, he was one of the center backs. And he's so calm under pressure, getting passes off cleanly. He can play very well defensively, and he's such a leader in the back line at only 21 
And this isn't to mention how strong of a tournament Shaq Moore has had, which for a lot of U.S. Men's National Team fans came out of, he came out of nowhere, but he's a great right back, uh, going to be great depth at that right back position. He and the other fullbacks of Vines, Bellow, and Cannon have shown pretty well when they're on. And of course, I love Turner. He is such a great shot stopper. And I don't know if I'm just crazy, but I feel like he's been playing better, uh, getting balls out of the back, playing with his feet. That just might be me being a little bit biased because I like him, but you know he is great depth as a second or third string goalkeeper. Midfield could use some work. No player on this team has shown that they're pinned in, penned in uh, as solid depth. Busio is misplacing some passes. He kind of lost some duels in the group stage games, but once he moved deeper, he played better and won a lot more duels, 10 out of 15 duels, than he did against Canada. Legette and Acosta two very good players and i'm a big fan of legit in particular but they're very good utility guys who are missing significant pieces of their game to be complete and reliable depth pieces and i feel like a lot of people misinterpret the point of legit and acosta they're not here to replace musa or necessarily any midfielder that we could say is top of the depth chart but they're good at being guys that you can rely on to do a specific task and to fill in and get a high work rate out of them. Legette is a very good, he's very good at complimenting good players around him. He's got the work rate of a horse and he's really good at facilitating attacks, but not great at, at creating them. So you can't rely on him for that. Acosta is great at stopping counterattacks and defensive work in general, but not great at progressing the ball in meaningful ways. So both have a place on this team, uh, but not exactly in a star role, which is fine because I think they complement our star players well. That's really important in a roster, not having a bunch of star players, but having players that are utility guys that can do the dirty work. And those two very much do so. Uh, Williamson is good, but we didn't get a great look at him yet. I really hope to see him against Qatar. The attacking depth is pretty okay. DK scored two goals against Martinique, but didn't, doesn't really have the technical ability to overtake Sargent just yet, which is fine. He's still good. But now we know that from the last two games that he isn't the only answer at number nine. It's still very, very wide open. Don't really know where people should land in terms of that. Hoppy, though, for his credit, was pretty good as a potential number nine or winger. Uh, he has been a star. He scored the lone goal in this Jamaica game and will likely feature on many people's depth charts on the wing or at the number nine spot, maybe even overtaking PFOC. Who knows? Paul Ariola, like a cost and legit, is a utility piece, but with so many other good wingers like Reyna, uh, uh, Aronson, Weya, Pulisic, and now maybe even Hoppy, can we really say that he is a shoe in for depth? Maybe, maybe not. I would move towards not. Roldan and Zardes have had some pretty good games recently, but I think Gold Cup slash January camp is probably their level until we see them perform against the likes of Qatar and Mexico in the next few games. Still, I like them both as super subs. Roldan really came in and changed the game. So I think that we could see them on depth charts, filling the, the, the last spots out during World Cup qualifiers if players are injured or unavailable. Tactics-wise, in general, the in-game changes that Greg Berhalter made were huge, and indicative of Berhalter adapting well to games, 
which is not something that we really see from him. So I'm very excited to see a bit more of that. He got the sub subs rights too. Very happy about that. So I think we're progressing pretty positively, even if due to the personnel not being the best, whatever, it was only a one nil win. I think the win overall was very good. That second half with those changes was probably some of the, the, the best soccer we've played against good opposition this Gold Cup. Next game is against Qatar on Thursday. That is a hard game given how much Qatar can bunker and counterattack. Yes, they almost lost to El Salvador off of a, a pretty good uh, comeback, well, almost comeback story there. That's going to be a huge test. I think the best move, really, because of how good Qatar is offensively and defensively, is keeping almost the exact same lineup. Maybe change Williamson for Legette or Acosta, but make sure that Busio is in that most deep spot for the midfielders because Qatar are strong offensively, scoring 12 goals so far this tournament. So we need to hold on possession very well because if we let them have the ball, they're going to counterattack and they're going to score against us, which is not what we want. We can rely on our defense, right? Because we have a very strong defense. We haven't conceded in open play yet. The issue for me comes with creating chances, which is why, bottom line, we need to find creativity, which is why I, I'm pretty okay with having Williamson come in for Leggett or Acosta. I'm even okay not having DK and having Zardes, who could potentially help us with the attack, which is something that DK really couldn't do against, uh, against Jamaica. Finding more creativity by relying a lot on Hoppy, relying a lot on Shaq Moore and the fullbacks, I, I think that's going to lead to a lot more lucrative chances being created that weren't being created by the likes of Legette, Acosta, or Areola. Uh, that's happening on Thursday. On the opposite side of the bracket is Mexico and Canada. If we can win against Qatar, hopefully we can. We'll face either Mexico or Canada, probably Mexico, but we'll see. And that's it for the U.S. Men's National Team corner. Yeah. And I'm back. I really hope I had a cut there because I'd much <laughs> rather have them win. Uh, but this is the U.S. Women's National Team corner now where I talk about their disappointing start to the Olympics, I should say. And I'll make this quick because I'm sure a lot of people have been talking about this, especially on Twitter. They lost 3-0 to zero against Sweden, and it was a complete dismantling. After 44 games, the U.S. Women's National Team lose their first game under Vladko's... Uh, uh, reign of terror or not reign of terror reign of happiness with the u.s women's national team and lost this first game sweden just completely pinned the u.s women's national team down pressuring fullbacks crystal dunn and o'hara as well as defensive midfielder lindsey horan down with them marked out of the game the u.s women's national team lacked the ability to build out of the back and sweden's midfield of ooh, i'm gonna mess this up but i'll try my best i love you sweden angle doll Sigar, and aslani they, they just dominated Cutting off our midfield from the front three, neutralizing us completely. Looking at the defense, it really just fell apart. Black Stenius had a header goal in the 25th minute, which caught the U.S. Women's National Team sleeping. She scored again off a rebound after a corner in the 54th minute. And Dahl Comper didn't step to her, and it bit us in the butt. Lena Hertig, the substitute, scored the third goal of this routing, which came after neither Sauerbrunn, Dahl Comper, nor O'Hara properly uh, marked the Swedish players, giving Sweden the space for Hertig to square a header right into the goal. The main takeaways from this game, and I'm going to talk about this game more than the New Zealand game because there's so much more to talk about in this game. The main thing that I found here was that U.S. Women's National Team and Vlako 
lacked the problem-solving skills to handle their main attacking starters, uh, wingers, and uh, the defensive midfielder getting marked out. And you can include the wingbacks or fullbacks in that as well. We tried hoofing long balls to our front three, but that resulted in only a 47% pass success rate. Ertz came on and stabilized the midfield, but can we really fully rely on her to save us if she's still coming back from injury? The answer is no. We need to find problem-solving uh, solutions elsewhere. Sweden outplayed us not just in tactics, but mentality. They knew our weaknesses, and they knew that if they can exploit them, we would have no answers. And we really, really didn't. It, it took the wind right out of our sails. With the New Zealand game, there were obvious improvements. It ended up being 6-1 to one for the U.S. Women's National Team. I woke up for that game as well. So actually kind of happy to, to wake up for that one. New Zealand gave the U.S. Women's National Team space, and they took it with Lavelle, Huron, Press, and Morgan scoring with two own goals as well. However, there was still a dependency on hoofing it long and hoping that individual talent would win out. And this type of play is good against minnows like New Zealand, but against high-talented uh, teams like Sweden, that's not going to work out. And it's not going to work out in the knockout round. It's not going to work out in the final, in the gold medal game. It's just not going to be good. I think the U.S. Women's National Team has the talent to go forward, but it really takes Blackco moving around with his pieces and getting the most out of them and really coming up with solutions when the problems arise. That's going to come to a head in the Australia game, which we are going to predict. The question here going forward is Australia are a good team. Their former is not great, but can they rise up to the challenge against the strong Australia team with their starters against Australia starters and find a way to do well? That's the main question, and for, at least in, in tactics. But the bigger question, in my opinion, is who is the U.S. Women's National Team going to play in the quarterfinals? Because there are so many different ways it's going to play out. If they top the group, their quarterfinal will be against the third-place team in either groups E or F, which is likely something like China or Japan or whoever is in the third place in E or F, but I, they probably... I don't know. No. That's obviously the best choice because we want to go against a team that's not in form in third place. Second place, quarterfinal against the top of group F, which is either the Netherlands or Brazil. And if you know anything about women's football, you know that Netherlands are very good. They we beat them in the World Cup final. So we don't want to try to go against them in the early stages of the knockout stages. And if we get third place and still qualify based on being the 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 top two third place teams face the winner of Group E, which is likely going to be Canada or Great Britain. And those are two teams, I highlight Great Britain earlier, are very, very good. You have Sinclair and White on Canada and Great Britain, respectively. Two very strong attackers who can make short work of this, I would say, not entirely successful U.S. Women's National Team defense, at least against Sweden. So, Everything really comes down to this final game against Australia. I really hope we can get at least second. I really don't think that New Zealand's going to beat Sweden. So I will settle for second because I really don't want to play Canada or Great Britain. That is it for the U.S. Women's National Team corner. We're going to talk about them and the U.S. Men's National Team as well next week. Jack, how about we get into some predictions? All right. Yeah. Uh, definitely not our best week, <laughs> yeah. just as a preface. But yeah, yeah. let's do it. Costa Rica versus Jamaica. I'll start this off, but Jack, why don't you explain how the scoring system works for this? Right, so you get 10 points for getting the eventual winner right, 20 points for getting the scoreline exactly correct, and zero points 
for getting nothing right. Yes, and I, I'll be honest, there are a good There's amount of zeros. There's a lot of zeros. Zero a lot of, a lot of <laughs> zeros. Uh, including this first game. Full, full, full disclosure. Costa Rica versus Jamaica in the Gold Cup. Jack and I both thought this was going to be a Jamaica win, and Costa Rica pulled through. A point black Brian Ruiz header goal put Los Ticos up 1-0. Their lead was put in danger as Lionel Moreira, Costa Rica's starting goalkeeper, came out of the box to claim a ball, fully put a hand to the ball, denying an obvious goal-scoring <laughs> opportunity. Jack, I don't know if you saw this highlight, but he's yeah. like, he is so far out, and he just like, just pushes out with, with his hand. Yeah. And the, the, the ref's like, hey, that's a red card. You <laughs> handled the ball purposely outside the box. And he's like, what? What? <laughs> he earned himself a red card, of course. And Costa Rica bunkered in and came out unscathed after that. Jamaica, to their credit, played very well. Uh, not well enough to get us the win or 10 points at all. I said 2-3 to three for Jamaica. Jack said 1-2 to two towards Jamaica as well. We both get zero points. Next game is Sweden versus the U.S. Women's National Team in the Tokyo Olympics, the women's tournament. I already talked about that, so I'm going to say it was a 3-0 win for Sweden. Ouch. <laughs> Jack and I both thought, I think rightfully so, the women's national team would at least put up a good fight. Yeah. I said 2-0. Very, very wrong for zero points. Jack, honestly, it, it's not terrible. You, you did predict that both teams were going to score. You just thought... <laughs> the women's team the u.s women's national team was going to score the three point the three goals which is uh incorrect yeah <laughs> and uh yeah that is obviously very tough uh we both get zero points jack said three to two yep uh jack orlando city versus philadelphia you know the the stateside derby who won this yeah well orlando finally broke a cold run of form in the stateside derby with a 2-1 win over the Philadelphia Union. Benji Michel got the party started by getting on the scoreboard first in the 10th minute, and Andres Pereira from midfield added a second on 59 minutes. The Union did have some hope towards the end when, and I'm going to butcher this name, Kasper Przybilko, maybe, struck home on 68 minutes, but it was just not enough to get any points from this one. Orlando City got, the, got what they needed. And AJ saw that. He said a 3-1 to one win, not too far off from the mm -hmm. actual. Yeah. So for 10 points, I thought it would be a draw. I, to be fair, not far off from getting there, but not good enough. So yeah. uh, I get zero points for that one. Yeah, and, and I think, if I remember correctly, the Philadelphia Union had a penalty or they had a, a good chance that got saved or whatever. I believe you're correct on that. Yes, yeah. and... Uh, we also asked the stateside show, uh, Jordan and Logan, what they thought this scoreline would be because they both support Orlando City and Philadelphia Union. And I think Logan said, agreed with you, 1-1 one, one draw. Right. Jordan was a homer, 2-1 to one win for Philadelphia. And I, I came out on top. I yeah, you did. All of you. So you I, did. I guess I'm the better predictor than the four of us. So <laughs> Maybe. Uh, let's see if that's true with Brazil U23 versus Germany U23. At the Tokyo Olympics, the men's side this time. Brazil scored four, but it should have been 12. Richarlison of Brazil just toyed with Germany in the first <laughs> half, scoring a hat trick in just 30 minutes. I have to quickly highlight uh, who? Cunha of Brazil? Cunha, yeah. Okay. Who had seven shots, one being a penalty oh, and no. zero goals. Yet he missed the penalty in the 45th plus second minute. In the second half, Germany were just the better side. Amiria, Bayer, Leverkusen, Aki 
of Eintracht Frankfurt. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> made things interesting. I mean, do you know how to pronounce it? No, that? I have okay. no clue. Well, then get off my back. <laughs> they made the game three to two, but Paulinho, Amir's teammate at Bayer Leverkusen, iced the game to finish it four to two. And this is where it gets crazy. Brazil outshot Germany 25 to seven. Given their dominance in the first half, they should have scored five to six. But Cunha's selfishness, taking all those shots and not passing them, and the team's finishing ability, or lack thereof, stopped that from happening. But hey, three points is three points. I stupidly said it was going to be a 1-1 draw for zero points. Jack was pretty close. 3-1 to one win for Brazil. He gets the 10 points there. And let's go on to my favorite game Mexico versus France, which ended up being the decider for this week as well. Really? OK, let's yeah. hear it. So uh, basically, the lesson is don't put your faith in France's U23 team. <laughs> uh, this is not what I thought would happen. Mexico came out flying in the second half. It was a very quiet first half. Uh, no goals scored, but France just weren't ready for it coming out of the locker room. They, they were I don't know what they did, but they were not ready because Ernesto Vega struck first on 47 minutes which was quickly followed by a Francisco Cordova goal on 55 minutes. The one good part, really, of France's Olympic campaign so far, Andre Pierre Gignac from Tigres, half the deficit by converting a penalty on 70 minutes, but Carlos Antuna and Eduardo Aguirre, and I pronounced that wrong, I'm sure, both <laughs> scored for Eltri to make it 4-1. to one. Yikes. An absolute destruction, really, of France <laughs> by Mexico. AJ said a one to zero win for Mexico. A far, but I got the score. He gets, I got the result right. He gets the result right, but pretty far off. I guess the opposite way: zero to one for France, and that gets me zero points. That's what happens when you trust France in international <laughs> games this summer. It seems so. Ultimately, I got ten points, which is not great, but it's not the worst we've ever done. Yes, <laughs> we, we have gotten zero points, both of, both us, of us, in one game. So. I'll take the 10, but AJ got 20, so yes. he wins this week. Yes. Just barely. I'm not sure if it's a proud win no. in this one, but <laughs> it is a win. I, I'm very excited for these next couple of games because we're not talking about Gold Cup, so we kind of went around to the other tournaments and are talking about the Olympics uh, with the men's and women's and some MLS games. So I'm really excited about this. I'm hoping to keep my winning streak alive here. Jack, let's talk about U.S. Women's National Team versus Australia. You know, I'll start this. U.S. Women's National Team needs to win this. Australia obviously have the players like Sam Kerr, who you are fond of. But their form of just one win in five games isn't great. I think it'll be cagey because U.S. Women's National Team proved that against really good opposition, sometimes they can get caught out. But I think they have the talent to win this. So I think the U.S. Women's National Team will win this two to one very very close I'm, I'm personally scared but jack who do you think is taking this well i'm believing in the u.s women's national team All here right, as well Patriot over here okay. yeah uh australia are honestly somewhat carried by sam kerr in this tournament so Fair. far she's scored three out of the four goals for australia whereas almost everyone for the u.s women's national team at least against new zealand seemed like they could have scored at any point really mm -hmm. they they've got a lot more goal threat around the field Plus, the U.S. team are mad after the first game still, uh -huh. and they have the hunger and drive to do some damage against Australia. Last time uh, they, they faced off against each other, it was five to three. So 
I'm going for the win, and I'm going to go with the patriotism on this one and go for a 3-1 win, so a little bit more right. than you. I, I'm going to guess also that Australia's one goal is going to come from Sam Kerr. <laughs> all right, all right. I love it. I love it. Canada versus Great Britain staying on the women's side of the tournament. Very, very big game. Jack, who's taking this, or is it going to be tied? You let me know. Well, when Canada last played England, which is not a perfect mirror of Great Britain, they actually won 2-0. to zero. Yeah. And while they play, and since they're playing a different opposition, I'm just going to say they neutralize each other. It might be the easy way out, but I, I think they honestly will. They're both very good teams, but both of these teams need just a draw to advance. Mm-hmm. That, and I think they both know that. So I think they might play for that and maybe rotate a little bit as well in here. So as not losing for them is far more important than winning. So I, I think I'm just going to go with a 1-1. All right. Well, that is actually the exact score oh, no I have. So I'm going to change it up completely. I'm going. Oh, really? Okay. I'm going with my girl, Christine Sinclair, right here. Okay. I'm going with Canada. Team Great Britain are on a great start, winning against Chile and Japan. Canada had a good game against Chile, but tied Japan. Ellen White for Great Britain has been on fire, getting all of Great Britain's gold, and Great Britain hasn't conceded. So you might think, <laughs> why aren't you going for a Great Britain win? Vibes vibes i think canada i think canada are a cool team i think they're a cool country and i personally think that of these two teams that canada will just want it more for what reason i don't know but whoever wins this and gets the top of the group is going to play i believe the runner-up in our group group g i believe whoever whatever group the u.s wins national team is which is likely to be either sweden well actually either usa or uh australia Australia. and so i think actually i don't know because i don't know who the 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 second place team in this group is gonna want to or is going to play so maybe they want the second place because they want to avoid us women's national team i don't know i just think canada's gonna win because i i think they're cool (laughs) spain u23 versus argentina u23 the men's side of the olympics tournament uh really simply i just think spain's offense is very good but right now it is concerning getting just one goal but defensively they have been solid but speaking on that offense a little bit more i think i don't think you can really count on them to keep on messing up i think eventually like things are gonna have to fall into place is that the gambler's fallacy maybe but spain have the firepower and talent and pedri brian gill asensio uh oya zabal oya zabal oya zabal okay and i think they win this two to one Jack, are you going Argentina or Spain on this? I, I'm going to go with Spain on this one. Uh, I, I think a win over Australia and draw over Egypt weren't impressive, but they were more impressive than Argentina's loss to Australia and win against Egypt. Yeah. Yeah. Spain's squad is also just far better than Argentina's on paper. They've, on paper, they've, got, yeah. they've got a lot of great players, which I think should prevail in this case. Like, like you, I, I, I think it's going to be conservative, but I think they're going to keep a clean sheet. And I think Ooh. it's going to be another 1-0 win. All right. All right. All right. All right. Let's talk about Minnesota United again. Yeah. We love Minnesota United. It's LAFC versus Minnesota United in a MLS regular season. It's going to be a mid-table match for sure. And it's going to have huge implications on how the rest of the season probably goes. Jack, I'm guessing you're going to back Minnesota United. So what uh, do you think? What I, do you I always think? back them in these. It doesn't matter what it, they could be in last place. And I would still back them every single time. I respect that so much because I, I just I just want to give them hope. But like you said, this is the match to get 
fifth place in in the Western Conference. If LAFC get it, actually, they could go up to fourth. Uh, Minnesota could go. They could go up to fourth if Colorado get absolutely destroyed by whoever they play next. But mm-hmm. that's unlikely. But still, Minnesota United are on a very good run of form. Uh, not not to mention, you know, I mean, I will mention it because it was awesome. <laughs> Yesterday's win over the Portland Timbers when they came back from a goal down to win two to one. LAFC had to come back against Vancouver Whitecaps Yikes. to get a draw. A bad team. Yeah. Uh, the I, If I'm not mistaken, the almost the worst team in in uh, the Western Conference. So ultimately, I'm not feeling uh, LAFC right now. They're missing some players. They're, they're not doing as good as they can. I think Minnesota United are going to do this. They, they've got the players. They've got the personnel to get things done. And I'm just and just to say, let's go loons. Two to zero. Same as before. Same as same as the last time, even without Mason Toy to score those two. Here's the thing, though. Uh, We've only won one away game, and that was against Ah, Portland. And that was a very choppy match. And we were so, so close to losing that at multiple times. Yeah. And LAFC have only lost one home game. So so they can lose. So they can lose. And we could also lose a lot away (laughs) from home as well. I, I I am not as confident as you. I, I really respect it. Uh, your your two to zero prediction. However, I'm gonna have to disagree. Vela is back. He's now on four goals and four assists on the season, despite just coming back from injury this season. Diego Rossi, Atuesta, Blessing, and Sufuentes are all very very good players who have been very very good despite some bad defense. I must say, especially against Vancouver. LAFC's form is a mixed bag, but again, they lost just one home game this season so far. If Minnesota United want to climb the table, potentially fight for a home playoff game, they need to win these kinds of games, or at least draw them. However, when you really look at it, Unu and Fragapane are firing hard enough. Fragapane's out, actually, for at least a month. Boxel, we don't really know his, his timetable for return. I don't think if he's healthy next week we start him he's still out that's still a, a cause for concern yes we have robin ludd yes we have uh nico hansen who are very good and reynoso can't forget him with that pass yeah, yeah. but at the same time are they going to be enough to handle lafc at home i don't think so lafc i think take this due to home field advantage or whatever one to zero I'm so sorry. I always bet against it. It never pays off for you. I don't think I don't think betting against uh, Minnesota has paid off for you yet. I think the first game of the season against Seattle, I might have bet against them as well. I think I think you might have. That might have been the only time it paid yes, off. Yes, and I, I don't yeah. want it to bet off. But here's the thing, right? If I lose this and, and Minnesota win, I feel good because we got three points. If they lose, I feel good because I get at least 10 points in this game. So it's a win-win for me. It's a strategy. I'm a genius. Right. Uh, we're talking about Orlando City again, which is not exactly something I want to do, but you can't ignore the Southern Derby. I don't know what they call it. I have no idea either. The, the, the Georgia-Florida line or whatever that one uh, band is called. Whatever. <laughs> Orlando City versus Atlanta United in MLS. Orlando haven't lost to Atlanta in five games against them. Very, very good. They snapped their winless streak with a good win over a good Union side. I don't know what's happening with the NYCFC game. It's not good. It, they're down two to zero. In okay, the 60th well, minute. never mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, Atlanta are still in the dumps. Recently drawing to Cincinnati and losing one to nil to Columbus at home. Not great. After firing Heinza, 
Okay. Was Orlando away or at home to NYCFC? Away. Okay, so they're playing in not Yankee Stadium, but Red Bull Arena, probably. Yep, yep I believe that's all correct. right. So that, that's tough. That's tough. I'm I'm backing Orlando here. I'm backing Orlando. DK Nani uh, Galese. Uh, that, that's how you pronounce it. Uh, all, all those guys. I believe in them. I'm having them win two to one just based on uh, home field advantage and the fact that Atlanta United have very very bad form right now. Jack. Are you saying that the Atlanta United get their first win in two months right here? No, no, oh, okay. I, I'm, so, okay. I'm sorry, uh, especially to Reed. I know, I know he's probably <laughs> listening. I can't back Atlanta United right now. Uh, like Orlando, even when they've lost, don't look terrible. That's so true. But when Atlanta lost against Columbus, they didn't even look like they were trying at some points. Yes. So I, I don't know. Atlanta are without direction right mm-hmm. now, really. They have a, an interim head coach. But there, there's just too many problems that seem to remain right now. They didn't look good against Columbus, and Orlando looked very good against Philadelphia. They're not looking great against New York City FC right <laughs> now. But overall, I'm going with an Orlando win to extend Atlanta's winless streak. And I'm going big. I'm going bold. A 3-0 win. Wow. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't know why. I'm just not. I, I just have no faith in Atlanta right now. I, I said two to one because I, I just believe that Joseph Martinez always likes to play against Orlando, so I'm sure that he'll be able to do something. Three to zeros. Very bold. I like it. I, I almost forgot Atlanta United to have Kanye West on their side. Of course. He was in the supporter section. I know. I, saw, I, saw <laughs> I was in Atlanta one. United game against Columbus, and I tweeted this out. I can't believe I, I, I waited till the end of the episode to say this, but I, I tweeted it out. I thought it was a very funny joke. Uh, Kanye West and Atlanta United are the perfect pair. Because they both suck at finishing. <laughs> Atlanta United, their chances, Kanye West at albums that he promised that he was going to finish. He <laughs> the reason why he was there at the at the game before we end this episode was because he had a listening party for his new album, Donda, at Mercedes-Benz Stadium where Atlanta United play. And there were videos of him recording and editing his album uh, two hours before the listening party was oh happening. Oh my god. And that, that's kind of, I think that is a perfect parallel to Atlanta United and how that front office works. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there you go. He's from Chicago. And honestly, that also works at Chicago Fire. So it does. There you go. There you go. Well, Jack, how do you feel about those predictions? Pretty good. I, I'm feeling better than, uh, than last week. I got a little bit more research okay. than uh, when I recorded right after getting off the plane. Basically, yes. Yeah, we got some uh, disagreements. I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty feeling pretty good about my LAFC win there. So nah, you got to right. You got to trust the loons, man. You got it. Right. All right. All right. Fine. Go loons. Go loons. Jack, where can people find us on social media? As always, check out our Twitter at final third show. I almost said at MNUFC for some reason. <laughs> uh, I'm, too, I'm too hyped up on that. But uh, at final third show on there on Instagram, too. But we don't really use it as much. Yeah. Twitter is the place for everything. Keep an eye out for tons of great stuff. We posted about the NPSL game we went to. Uh, we're probably going to post soon about hopefully a fantasy premier league Ooh, league yeah. soon enough uh, that, that we'll get started. So uh, keep an eye out for that and other fun stuff. Yeah. And as always, follow us on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, what have you. Give us a rating and a review there. If you give us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a free, free shout out here on the show. And yeah, that's all I can think of other than telling your friends about the show. Sure, they'd love to hear about whatever you we talk about on each week. Tell your dad even 
uh, I'm sure you'll have a great bonding experience with him. You'll really grow closer with him if you tell him about the show. And yeah, we'll see you guys this Thursday for a very, very special deep dive with a very special person in the soccer world, at least in uh, U.S. soccer. And yeah, uh, we'll also see you guys same time, same place next Monday for the news and predictions episode. See ya. Bye for now.